Well, welcome to Where's Jesus with Pastor Todd Peavy on Reflecting Christ Podcast, where Pastor Todd and I look at where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament, book by book. I hope you enjoy the show. Lord, yeah. Lord yeah. willing, and we'll, we'll do it. Shut it off. Okay, so Joshua as a as a type and shadow of Christ, of course, his name Yeshua. But his name before was Hosh Hosha, right? Hosha. Or Hosea. Yeah. And then God changed it to Yeshua. Yeah. Joshua, which is in the Greek, Jesus. Right. Uh, maybe I'm grasping at straws, but Moses coming before Joshua is almost the same as Christ coming after the law, is it not? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to sure draw that. Right. You know, the biggest thing is the name yeah. with Joshua, is the the very same name that, that the angel told Mary and Joseph, this is what you're going to name Yeshua, uh, it, that, that God is salvation. Which is a pretty common name around that time anyway, wasn't it? Oh, very, very. I mean, you know, same reason David's a common name now. Well, everyone, everybody named David ultimately is named after King David. Yeah. And and Joshua was a relatively, you know, common name that really became well known after, uh, you know, after he was the leader of the people and right. led them into the promised land, you know. I just, I yeah, I love how that is and how Christ is the one who came and he's the one who leads us into land into salvation yeah and you know just you know the wilderness is is done and and we're in the promised land it's sure a picture of of christ walking us i mean you know to this day you know they sing about when i pass over that jordan river when i cross that jordan right and you know and you know to this i mean that's the river he led them over through and you know we still see the river jordan as a picture of the death and we walk from this side into the promised land uh, along those same lines in chapter 1 Joshua gives the order or the Lord tells Joshua if so facto prepare for three three days in three days we're going to go across but they gave a three day warning mm-hmm. and of course Jesus was in the grave three days before he ultimately stepped across sure or went across to take possession yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the significance in in the number three or three days. Well, or, you know, again, that's. I mean, it, it's it's interesting to note. I mean, do, does it does it have. You know, could it have meaning? It probably does. I mean, do we know for sure it does? No, we don't, because the scriptures don't say it. Right. Uh, now, you know, Jonah in the belly of the whale, definitely has significance of picture of the grave because Jesus said it did. Right. Right. Just like he was three days, so the Son of Man's gonna, you know, but, uh, but it's a, uh, you know, it sure is a neat little, well, look at there kind of moment. Who's that guy that wrote that book about the significance of numbers? Not not gematria, but uh, you know who I'm talking about. Well, yeah, there's there's. I, thought a, I heard there, you or Mason talk about one of those books. Yeah, there's a few that have de- come down through the years. Uh, you know, you know whether it's numerology, uh, or you know there, there there's some pretty good writing on it. Frankly, even uh, Doctor Wilmington, you know, in the Wilmington's yeah, Bible yeah. Guide, does a pretty good job with with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, it's funny. 
Um, some people really catch them numbers. Uh, I'm not one that does. So it uh, sometimes I probably tend to minimize uh, numbers uh, in in my study, maybe a little bit more than I should. You know, it's, it's like everything else in study of Scripture. you got to really watch it. Um, when you start seeing, you know, you know, when you start reading the Antichrist, you know, name and fitting him to Hitler and all that kind of stuff, you know, you're, you're pushing yeah. it too far. But, I mean, definitely numbers, you know, have uh, have significance. Well, enough to the point to where we see a pattern. Yeah. But typically, after- typically three is a number of, of, of creation, you know, the Godhead and, and the invisible things of the Godhead are shown. You know, the invisible things are shown. As far as far as a time, but a time frame. What does that really have to do? You know, it. I mean, he Jesus in the grave those in in those three days. I mean, he wasn't there seventy two hours. Right. But uh, but part of a Friday, part of a Sunday, and all of a Saturday, and uh, and they're given three days here. And you you know you. I mean, we obviously know why Jonah was in the well three days. I mean, Jesus used it as a a parable. Right. You know, and, and and a definite tie from shadow. Yeah, I get. You know, I think as far into the numbers until I get to the point to where I'm like, well, it's just the way the Lord wanted to do it. Yeah. You know, but you know, can we say two is a number of witness? Which well, sure seems to be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, six is obviously the number of man. You know, scriptures tell us that seven is obviously the number of perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, eight tends to be the number of a new creation. It's that next. Right. You know, God doing something, you know, next, new. You know, four tends to be the number of the world. But, um, you know, We've 70 only... obviously has significance. 120 has significance. 24 obviously has significance. We know that's representative, you know, because you can tie it right back to the priest. And then you read in Revelation later, you see it. Also Here's 12. these 24 elders. 12, obviously, you know, the apostles and the 12 tribes and, you know, uh you know, there, there's there's things there. Yeah, you need we need to notice. Uh, I'll tell you right now, from thirty years of studying scripture, that I can pull, and I mean, and I'm not talking about straining the text. You will pull out of scripture threes and sevens, like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know how many times. I've been studying scripture and go, well, look at here. It breaks here, 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 here. They say, da, da, da. and I mean, I slap that number deal to print out an outline and it's, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. And I ain't looking for it because again, I'm not a person that looks for numbers. I just, I don't. Brother Jim Everidge, our staff evangelist is the best at it I've ever seen. Um, uh, I think a lot of it's just kind of how I call brother Jim right now and ask him what's today. And he'll tell me, you ask me what today is. I have no clue it's sometime in january and it was cold this morning Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't honestly don't know what today is well i think you know part of it's just kind of how we're we're wired but it obviously it is significant it's not it's a good study to do the problem with any good study to do is it's a pendulum and you have to stay in balance with it right and you know and uh you know it's kind of like well there's you know the, the letters have got significance no there's some some alphabets and some languages, letters have number significance. You see that sometimes with Hebrew. Right. You don't see that in English. You don't see that in Greek. Right. And so you can't make it, you know, uh, what God just lets be happenstance into great meaning. But there's obviously meaning within three, I'm guaranteeing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Let's talk about Rahab. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the fact that she shows up in lineage oh, yeah. of the Lord Obviously. Jesus. And, I, you know, the, what I think of is the grace and, well, her faith in God, the one true God. Sure. Uh, and, yeah, and, and not knowing anything else and then using a red thread and all that. You know, Spur, uh, not Spurgeon. Criswell, he preached that message at New Year's Eve or whatever he did. You know, that, that he preached through the whole Bible. You know, they called that, he called it the scarlet thread that runs through the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, well, there it is tied right there to Rahab. You know, it's that the reality of the blood. Um, I mean, she's one of four women that's mentioned in the line and lineage of Jesus in Matthew. Right. And, uh, in fact, I guess the first one out of my mind rolls without just working through it. No, Tamar. But she won a four. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not, Tamar's not listed. Bathsheba, Rahab, Ruth, and Mary. Or is it five? Okay, now you got me on a podcast looking at my Bible. I'm going blank, brother. You want to look at Matthew? Let's do it. Why not? Ain't nobody been in here me and you. I'm going blank as I can be. I love it when I do that. Especially when I'm being recorded and I'm supposed to know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just go blank. Yeah, Tamar. Yeah, all right, so it's five women. So Tamar was first. Ruth. And, and, uh, and Rahab and Ruth. And Bathsheba's mentioned. She, her name's not given, but of her that had been the wife of Uriah, Urias, and then, and then uh, Mary. So I, was, I had my numbers wrong. That's what was throwing me off five. And then Mary's mentioned. Yeah, you know, I like how you spoke before about, you know, some well, some people might get on on their high horse and think, I mean, this is the God of the universe, the one who's come to save us. This is Jesus. But you find somebody like Rahab in his lineage. Well, look yeah. at all of them. Yeah. I mean, we're just talking about those women. Uh, uh, Mary was absolutely comes out of obscurity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ruth was a Moabitess. Right. So she comes out of a ancestral uh, uh, relationship with Lot, one of his daughters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I mean, look at the stunt Tamar pulled with Judah. With Judah. Right. Rahab's a harlot. Yeah, you know, and that's who. But then again, look at the men in the group. Right, they're not. You know, I mean, one of the great things about the Bible, people go, "Well, how do you know? You know, God gave it and all that kind of stuff." Well, look at the brutal honesty of it. Yeah. Okay. You don't. You don't have any. uh, You don't have. You don't have any Muslims talking bad about Ishmael. Right. We don't do that to our heroes. Right, we never mention a thing. What what's going on in America today? We love this revisionist history, because why? We got to find fault in them. We got to go back, move past the ideal idealized view, and then what do we do? We hang on the one bad thing they had, and you know we got to make them just absolutely despicable. One, we're despicable age, so we got to make everybody else look despicable so we feel better about ourselves. Right. But when histories get written, they you know everything is perfect. I mean, you know, George Washington could not tell a lie. I was, you know, you know, with his wooden teeth and chopping down the cherry tree, and so, uh, but you see, you see Abraham lying, mm-hmm. right? You see Isaac lying, 
I mean, frankly, you read all these great of all these great people all through the Old Testament, Daniel and Joseph. Daniel and Joseph are the only significant, you know, personalities where where you know there's a lot written about them. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, nobody on the planet would have wrote about David's stuff if you're trying to build a saying this is going to be the covenant of the king coming into the world. We right. wouldn't have made. We wouldn't have none of this stuff about you, the woman who was wife of Uriah. Right. You know, yeah. so, you know, it's it's that. Wow. I mean, you know. You know, to this day, you know, the infallibility of the Pope is something I can't get. I don't understand why a Catholic believes when, 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 when Paul had to rebuke him. Yeah. And so they have to come up with this, well, when he's talking. Oh, not when he's just living, not when he's a man. Is he not the head of the church and all this kind of stuff? Right? He's infallible. I mean, Lord help. I mean, look at some stuff Pope's pulled off. But anyway, so you... We wouldn't we wouldn't have had Paul back under a vow. Right. Nobody would have done that. Why Paul running around his head short off? What's he doing under a vow? Didn't Jesus say, let you yes be yes and you know be no? What's he doing? <laughs> and so but and you see it in those people. Well, you but know, you the see, great thing it gives us hope because it lets us see the identity of Christ tied to us. Our humanity. I mean, me and you sat here an hour talking before we even started this podcast about what? Our weaknesses and back walking through our bubble. This is who we are. Yeah. And this is who Christ came to save and he came to be with us and like us. And I love it. I love the fact that Jesus was a carpenter. I love the fact that his his most, his strongest apostle was just a fisherman. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just neat. Yeah, it's good stuff. You know, Matthew was a sorry tax collector taking money from his own people and giving it to the Romans. You know, I, when I think about the disciples and that kind of thing, and and the types that were that were he chose, one of them was the was the uh, who was it, the rioter, the uh, uh, Simon Zelotes. Yeah, Simon the, the Zealot. Zealot. Yeah. So he he you know nowadays we call him Simon the terrorist. Yeah, he's one of these because he's running around killing folks. Yeah, right. I mean, they were the occupiers. He's killing the occupiers. Yeah, over there. yeah, they were. I mean, I've walked. Thank God, I've I've been able to I've been able to walk through the valley that goes up to Nain towards Nazareth and all, right? And you walk down the Valley of the Dove, and so you you walk down towards into the Sea of Galilee, right in between um, what? Really, you walk into Magdala, mm-hmm. okay? And so, well, you look up there, and there's all these caves. Right, and that's where them guys hung out. When he found Simon, I'm telling you, he was around that valley of the Dove somewhere, right? Because that's where they hung out. It was the second when the Romans came through in 70 A.D. Before they got to Petra, the 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 zealots were holed up in that in that valley, and they had to choke them out of there before they got down to Petra. Mm-hmm. And because that, that was some killing dudes. And I tell you, talk about them. I think one of the neatest things is here God puts Simon, the zealot, and Matthew, yeah. the publican, yeah, together. He would, he and there's would. not one reference in that scripture of them ever having a problem. Yeah. That's something. So if God, they probably would have met before Jesus came into the equation, Simon probably would have killed him. Well, you know he would have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if Matthew tra- would have turned him in, and Simon would, yeah. Well, you know, when Jesus said, you know, the, the, you know, everybody about Jesus was always what? Sinners and tax collectors. Right. So they considered them to be lower than sinners. 
And look at how the Lord does it. And look at who the Lord uses. And then we sit, we sit here in Scurry, Texas, and we're amazed that God's willing to use us. Because he is. God always takes the base things and the ordinary things of this world and he uses them to confound the wise. Yeah. They're frankly, they're very few rich called. They're very few super educated called into these kind of places. Now, not that God don't use them, because he does. I mean, Isaiah wrote a whole lot more down than Amos did. Yeah, true. Okay, Paul, Paul came out of great, you know, great learning. You know, 13, maybe 14 books of the New Testament. Yeah, and, I mean, he, and he made reference to a lot of other even pagan writings and things and we'll see so well learned yeah so when he when he starts quoting when he's talking to the Christians and he starts talking about how they're talking bad about you and Jesus loves you Jesus wants to do good things in you you know when he walks on Lord help if you could walk into Athens where like Luke said they just sat around with like kind of like today all they wanted to talk about was some new thing right. right they thought they were so smart and you know and Paul walks into the middle of their stuff and you know what people got to realize is on Mars Hill, uh, Paul didn't quote one scripture. Yeah, didn't mean nothing to the Athenians. He so used their own. He used their own stuff, their own logic. Well, but I come by, seen this this uh this statue to this unknown God, and I said, I'm here to talk to you about it. Yeah, right. Well, he he knew right where to talk to him to debate him. I mean, Lord help, look at how he stood stands before uh, Agrippa and Herod and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. God will use you, whoever you are and whatever you are, and he'll use you to to glorify himself, to help people, and to bless you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you think, well, is it because it's all he's got, or is it because he just... Well, he he's chosen. Have, he doesn't have he's, another... He said he's chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith. Yeah. And ultimately, anybody that gets used by God is somebody that will believe him. Yeah. And the just shall live by faith and not sight. And I, to be honest, it's easier for a poor person to not have their hope in this world. A rich person, it's it's very easy for them to have their hope in this world because they always think that money can can get it. The money can get happiness. You know that's why you, the rest of the world's all trying to become Americanized. It ain't got nothing to do with our ideology. It's got to do with our affluence. Mm -hmm. Because what do you see? If I could get that money, if I could get that, I'd be happy. If I could get a house, right? What do we know? I mean, we're on more antidepressants than anybody on the planet. Right. Well, why? Basically, we live in an affluent society, and we realize my car didn't make me happy. My car gave me a headache. Right. Because now I got a payment. Now I got to pay insurance on it. Now it's getting old. My wife's going to leave me because she don't like the car she's got. Well, in Haiti, nobody's wife leaves them because of what car they don't have. Right. Right. I have a car. Because, yeah, they don't have one. Well, it's it's not nice enough. The house isn't this. This isn't that. My kids got to have these certain kind of shoes. We work ourselves to death trying to buy our kids $500 pairs of, of blue jeans. Right. My daddy didn't spend $500, pair on, uh, $500 on all the blue jeans I ever wore in my life. Right. But we got to have that to be happy, 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 happy. Well, what do we realize? It doesn't make us happy. And we look at, we watch the rock star, and we go, man, they got everything in life. And then the rock star kills itself. At the end, and we go, oh, he was depressed. Why was he depressed? Because he had everything in this world. He came to the end of it like Ecclesiastes and said, you know what? It's all vanity. But he didn't know enough to turn to God. At least Solomon knew because his wisdom never left him. You know what? Here's the chief end of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. Yeah. And life makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got to there from Rahab. But... Mm, well, let's move on. Uh, 
when I did a word study on this word dispossess, I had it was one of those times. So God dispossesses the inhabitants of the land and gives it, you know, runs them out, mm-hmm. gives it to the, the Jews come in, gives it to the Jews. Uh, it, I just put that in there because when I when I did a word study on that word one time. I had the Holy Spirit rock me so hard uh, because it was what he did to the Lord Jesus. Well, yeah, you see... For us. Yeah, and you see Christ Christ emptying himself and you see the Father made him become sin. Yeah. Right? Who knew no sin? Well, it was when I read the definition Mm -hmm. uh, and it has to do with a tenant, somebody who rightfully lives there because they they earn or they pay their way to be there, right? Christ right. didn't pay his way to be in the presence of it's who he is. Who he is, right. But but it was the same it was the same it was the same. He had the right to be there, yet he was dispossessed mm-hmm. so that we could go in and inhabit. The righteousness but of in Christ him. in him. Of yeah. course. And uh well, it's that it's that whole idea. He became sin. You know the Canaanites. You know you, you, you God was making promises to the patriarchs. What did he say? He said the sin of the Canaanites is not full. Right. So the children of Israel were in bondage, while those Canaanites were making their choices in this world. And then you see them removed. Right. That's what you mean. Yeah, their sin was not full, but then there comes a time where it's in judgment, and 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 they're removed. And what did Christ do? He became sin for us. He literally became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And it all begins with the kenosis of the Christ. It all begins with His emptying. Yeah. And He removed Himself, and the Father removed Him, as it were, as the judge. You, you know, you see that picture of. One is judging sin, the other is judging sin in himself. Right? And he's separated. My God, my God, why? Right? And so, uh, why has I forsaken you? So, why? Because he's become sin. And he's moved out of the way. What do we do? We become the righteousness of Christ in him. I mean, we don't want to press the text, but there's a big picture of it there. In that idea of dispossession. Yeah. Christ rightfully owned. Christ rightfully did not deserve to die. He was not born under sin, so there's no original sin. He committed no sin. So here is a here is an Adam. The, Paul calls him the last Adam. Here is an Adam who is not under the curse of death. You, you, if you willfully sin against me, you're going to die. So you know you have to realize there's nothing killed Christ, but Christ, because mm-hmm. Christ yielded his spirit. In fact, you say, no, no, he bled out. No, he didn't. Because the, even even people that crucified people all the time were amazed that he was already dead. Right. Right. When they come to break the legs of him so that they couldn't live through the night, well, or till be, be on the cross at sundown, well, what? what the guy walks up, well, he's already dead. Right. You know, if the, Roman ex, if the Roman executioner was anything, he was pretty good at knowing who's dead and who ain't. Yeah. Okay, well, why? Because he yielded his life. Why? Because only God could do it. But the reality was because he he didn't deserve death. Death is not the reality of being human. It's the reality of being a sinner. Right. Now here's one who what becomes sacrifice. 
he who knew no sin right the father made in fact if you what paul said was he didn't he just he who knew no sin didn't just become sin said the father made him to become sin i think it has within it this idea of one is dispossessed so that we can come in of course we come in through christ right you know christ is at the same time he's the judge and he's the lamb right right you know he's the door and he's the good shepherd of the sheep he's both you know so a lot of that's just in within the capacity of christ you know he's he's the judge and he's the payment right well moving on in the next chapter god exalts joshua in in the presence of the people and of course this made me think of what paul writes mm-hmm. how christ was humbled or humbling himself yeah philippians 2 all the way to the point to the bottom yeah, that's my favorite passage of scripture. Yeah. 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 Made him, yeah. And there, there it is. Because and then that, he exalts him. And then he exalts him. Gives him a name super exalted. every name. Yeah. You know, wherefore God hath highly exalted. There's a neat play in them words right there. Highly and exalted. Super. Because it, super. Exalted. Right. Yeah. Because more than exalted. Well, how are you more than exalted? I think it, I think it is the resurrection and the ascension. I think it's a, it's the twofold picture, but it's where you see the father stepping in. So, it, it, I mean, could it be? How can you exalt something that's already exalted? Could it be? Well, it says that who is it? Who, is it John that writes that? Who is it that ascended only, but he who first descended? Yes. But he didn't just descend to earth; he descended into to the, the grave, grave, as it were. And right. then he didn't just ascend to preach back. to the to be preaching to the souls that were captive in Hades. Right. But he didn't just ascend back to to being alive. Alive. Resurrection. He ascended. But he ascended all the way to the right hand. Right. Now I think it's I think it is. And most scholars, any conservative scholar, sees in highly exalted the because literally the Greek words there mean super exalted. Super exalted. It's how we would say it today. We me and you were just translating it straight out. And is it I, kind of the same thing as when the Hebrews write something three times? It's just that we can't we can't emphasize it too. Well, you, you can't emphasize it enough. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what you see in that, because you see the full acceptance of what Christ did, and what the Father did. One, He resurrected Him. Let's say He righted the wrong of death, having a hold of Christ, touching Him, because Christ, only because He was willing, was became the payment for sin mm-hmm. okay but it wasn't it is a judge as a father sets in judgment well what's right well Christ knew no sin he's willing to become sin but he knew no sin and then to in full acceptance of what Christ did he, where does he bring him he sets at the father's right hand right the favored position and so you see, you see the full acceptance of, of what Christ did as we, as we consider the justice of God. And where is that more clearly understood than in the Father? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I say God will judge you, people have the idea of the Father. They do not have the idea of Christ, and they do not have the idea of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus said what? All judgment is passed from the Father to the Son. Right. Okay, great white throne judgment. The Lamb sits on the throne. The wrath of the Lamb. Me and you, we get judged. We'll be answering to Christ. You know, we have, right because it's all it's all passed in Him because that's who and who the Father is pleased. 
That most one of the most significant things we'll ever read in our lives is, is he said, I saw one sitting on the throne scroll in his hand. Who's worthy to take this scroll? Right? And uh, because the reality of the oneness of God, God is just. He's just. He's holy. Sin must be judged. Sin is judged in Christ. What Christ did is acceptable. How is that proven? Well, it's proven in a resurrection. The most historically documented event really out of the ancient world. Yeah. Right? Even though most people hear that and laugh, you know, it's funny to me. You can't get over all the secular places that it's documented. No, it's it's just, it's just, it, it just happened. Now, you believe it or you don't. You right. know? It's kind of like somebody said about the Shroud of Turin. The people that, the people that need it, ain't gonna believe it anyway. And the, you know, and the people that that believe, they don't. I don't need a shroud. I don't need a shroud of Turin. I know God called me. I know the reality of the resurrected Christ is in me. Yeah, well, it's just like trying to pick apart or no. or unpack. Sooner or later, you believe. Yeah, I mean, how do you unpack Jesus saying, "My sheep know my voice." No, no. You ultimately you, know, you come to a point where you believe you don't. Yeah. Now it's not belief is not a leap into the dark like the world would have you think. Mm. Because from a from a personal standpoint of God's call, that's undeniable. But the reality of if 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 the scriptures are viewed honestly, historically, you know there is much more reason historically out of ancient documents to believe that Christ rose from the grave than that Julius Caesar was the first emperor of Rome. Right. Okay, but as I say that, anybody that's been to the typical university is going to scoff. You know, I mean, we're pretty sure Homer wrote the Iliad and we got three copies, maybe. None of them are solid and sure as New Testament manuscripts. I mean, not. I mean, New Testament manuscripts come out of the ancient world by the thousands. I mean, you know, not three. I mean, we're pretty sure Alexander was the, you know, was the the king of Greece. You know, and while people would scoff that that could, oh, well, of course he did, and he lived this during this time. Yet Daniel's not given credit for living when he does. When when there's more historical evidence for a Daniel living when he did than an Alexander living when he did. Right. But see, that's just, even as I say that, anybody listening to this podcast, that, that oh, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, no, it's not ridiculous. It's just you, you've been indoctrinated, not educated. The Bible stand up. Oh, yeah. The Bible stand up. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about, well, what gives, even with all that evidence, what gives? To me, it makes me think, well, man just doesn't want to humble himself. Well, ultimately, that's it. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know I'll say this, I say it all the time. Faith is not a leap into the dark, it's a leap into the light. And God is not afraid of our intellect. In fact, God wants us to use our intellect. Mm-hmm. In fact, the biggest knock, I think, within evangelical Christianity is we are willing to be simplistic. Now, we would need a simple faith. I'm not saying that. Jesus said, you don't humble yourself as a little child, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. But a simple faith is not a simplistic faith. Right. And, but at the same time, I'll knock it the other way. Just 
just to pick up a book and, 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 and because it talks about Jesus and say, oh, well, you can't trust that at all. It's just blah, blah. That's just a bunch of nonsense. Well, all you're doing is record, you're just repeating, you're regurgitating what some, some atheistic, agnostic professor or whatever thought, mm-hmm. whatever some humanist thought. They're not, those aren't your own thoughts. You're just regurgitating. It's no different than a parrot sitting over on the shelf saying, Polly want a cracker because that's what I've taught it to say. Right. And just because you pass the philosophy class don't mean anything. You you pass philosophy classes in universities today by agreeing with your professor. Right. If I agree, he gives me an A. If I disagree, he gives me an F. He says I'm wrong. And I want the degree because I want to go make the money. And the secular society holds the carrot out in front of me, but I'm too prideful to say, oh, I don't understand. Right. Humility. Humility. Most physicists today are still chasing around trying to make uh, uh, inflation work. When When the man who wrote the biggest portion of the whole idea and theory of it is sitting up there in Boston right now saying that it's wrong. But, and he chairs what, the Harvard, I guess it's Harvard, I may be wrong, I'm going blank on his name, physics and astrophysics uh, team, and he's up there saying it's wrong, but why, but it fits, and I've been told it, and I've been taught it. And you don't have to acknowledge God if And you don't have to, well, it makes it work. Yeah. Time, time inflation makes the big bang work. It, it, it takes care of the monopole magnet problem. It takes care of the flatness of the universe problem. It's a fix-all. It's just, just a fix-all. It's a big old whitewash. Program about that exact thing you're talking about. So it it's, a big, it's a big whitewash. It, it, you're trying to make it all work. You know? But if I said right now dark matter doesn't exist in the universe, every physicist on the planet starts laughing at me. But I ought to be the one laughing because you're the one that had to invent something to make your math work. Right. When you're having to invent math, you're inventing it mm-hmm. to make it make these elements possible and this possible and this. Well, we just don't know. But I didn't have to invent dark matter. I didn't invent dark energy. That is a reality of you're trying to prove a theory, and guess what? It got disproved. Right. But rather than go, you know what, my theory's wrong. Oh, well, I got to have this and I got to have that. You know, time inflation fixes all the problems. Everything's sped up way, way past the speed of light. I mean, what is it? 10 to the 1600 and some odd power? I mean, what, 10 to the 89th power is about how many particles they think is in the universe. But, but you, you, you talk like that. Well, you just indoctrinated. And scripture's a hold up. Oh, it ain't a science have. book. When it talks about science, it'll hold up. Yeah, it always have. And only the people who can tell it will is those who have chosen just you, to you, believe you, God. Again. Ultimately you're gonna believe or you ain't. Yeah. So in chapter five, uh they're about to head across and Joshua sees this man standing there. Is there a reason why he's got well, who is this man? Standing? Well, I think it's Christ. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he says, "I'm, I'm." You know, he says, "You for us or against us?" He's, "Well, I'm neither one. I'm here. I'm in charge." And he and get your shoes off because where you're standing is holy. Well, I mean, you don't. All you got to do is go backwards. 
And you see Moses getting told the same thing. I think it's a it's a Christophany, theophany. It's only at that very point, and then you don't see him again. It's not as if he leads them in or no. anything. There's and the funny really... thing is, something happened in that conversation because the next day they start the plan, and yeah. Joshua didn't have a plan. I've always told people, I said, if you want to know what a, being a pastor feels like, be Joshua standing out there looking at Jericho. Yeah. And you're standing out there, and you got all these people behind you, and you're figuring out how this has all got to go down, and God's led you up to an impossible situation. And 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 I think I think for no no ifs ands or buts, Joshua was standing out there and he's looking at that city and Lord God Almighty, what am I going to do? And how are we doing this? And what's going to be your will? And this guy shows up and he and to Joshua's mind, he could only be one or the other. If he was a Hebrew, what in the world are you doing here? Get back there in the camp where you're supposed to be. I'm leader here. What are you doing? And if you're an enemy, then pull your sword and let's get it on. Because, I mean, I'll deal with. That's why he asked him, "What well, are you for? Are you against us?" Yeah. And that's why when the Lord at first, when you read it, I'm not either one. Well, is God not for him? Well, what he's not is I'm not subject to you, Joshua. Yeah. I'm here as the leader. You think you're the leader out here? I'm the I'm the captain of the Lord's host. And and the next thing you know, Joshua's worshiping the Lord, and the next thing he, he's got is this crazy plan of marching around. Right, because Joshua walks into chapter six and he starts telling them what we're going to do. Well, where did that egg get hatched at? Yeah, right. And God told them plainly, "You're going. I'm taking this first city, so y'all know it's me, so that you know it's me." Because you know, you walk in there and you start running people out. What happens, brother? That we start thinking it's us. Me and you start walking into a bar and people start running from us. We're going to start thinking we some bad boys. Right. Well. If if we can't see it, but they all see a big, you know, God sends an angel to stand behind us, they might be running from us. And that's what God did not want the children of Israel thinking that it was them. That's when he told them, don't touch none of that treasure. Of course, I mean, we know what happened at AI and all that out of yeah. it. But. Uh, so we jump ahead a little ways, and Joshua starts setting up these cities of refuge. And to me, that looks like a picture of Christ. Well, I mean, it could be a place to run to, wasn't it? Yeah. You know. Uh, and I thought that wasn't my original thought, but I actually looked up and Schofield had had made a note about it. And said oh, it did look like that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, well, it, it, you, I know, mean, you know, yeah, is that a picture? Boy, isn't it? I mean, you know, who's our refuge? I mean, yeah. Scripture always obviously teaches that he's our refuge mm-hmm. when we're guilty, you know. I mean, God had told them about the cities of refuge, you know, to Moses. Uh, and Joshua started setting them up. I mean, there are obviously pictures of us of us in guilt or in circumstance. Is it? Let me ask you this. Is there one... I mean, after we're washed in the blood, we're, we're holy, right? Mm-hmm. In spirit. But is there... Some, okay, in spirit. But is there... Is there a dimension where we are always guilty? Our flesh. And our our flesh is not redeemed yet. I mean, it's obviously going to be glorified. And then at that point... And at that point, then it's done. Then there is no more guilt. No, I mean, we, me and you sitting right here, we're right here. You know what I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there is the... the in the reality of, t- of time, because time is existing right now, as you and I exist in time. 
right. not as you and I exist seated together in heavenly places in Christ where we're already not only justified, but what's the Bible say? We're also glorified. Right. Okay, so it's already occurred in the timelessness of God. But as me and you sit here in time right now, we are in that very reality that Paul's talking about in Romans 7. We have this law of the spirit in us. We have the law of the flesh in us. Yeah. Uh, my flesh has to be changed. Right? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Why? Because this mortal must put on immortality, and this corruptible must put on incorruption. Why? Because God has saved me. God has saved me. So ultimately, my flesh is going to follow and fall in line with the plan of Christ. If I'm in the grave, I'm going to rise. If I'm in the oceans, I'm coming out. If I'm wherever, and if I'm sitting here and God raptures us, then he's going to glorify that flesh. It's never going to go into sleep, death, but it is going to be changed. It is subject to sin. The corruptible things are subject to sin, and they're and so we have this fight. We have this law. So our flesh is obviously not yet glorified. Our, our spirits are obviously already justified. That's, that's, we'll never be more saved. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, me being a trichotomist, that's where I see the battle. And the battle now is not, it's to make the flesh be subject. And we make the flesh be subject by the realities of our mind. So we're not conformed to the likeness of this world but we're transformed into the image of Christ by the what by the not by the ju- because of the fact we're justified but by the renewing of our mind mm-hmm. so justified being sanctified one day needing to be glorified is the reality that me and you live right now in in time right and the and the and the, the question is not the spirit and the question is not the flesh. The question is the mind. And how sanctified the mind gets is going to be whether or not we walk in the law of the spirit or we walk in the law of the flesh. It's just two, if, if two fights one, two wins. And if my spirit and my mind are lined up together, then my flesh is going to lose. And if my mind and my flesh are lined up together, then my spirit's going to lose. It's not, it's not that it's not justified. It's just, who's going to be Lord of my life? Right. What's going to be Lord of my life? Either Christ, spirit and mind together. Really, if you, how close is the spirit and the mind? Well, I mean, it only, only the Word of God can separate them, right? Yeah. The Word of God's like a sharp sword can even separate spirit from soul. Well, but why? They are supposed to work like that. Well, in a redeemed person, that's how it ought to be. My spirit and my mind ought to be completely dominating my flesh. Paul talked about this my flesh being crucified, mm-hmm. right? What did he say? He said, I have to beat my body into submission. Was he walking around talking? What he said, what was, was he walking around hitting himself? No. Discipline. He's forcing, yeah. forcing the flesh. And I mean, we, we see this in every day, in the reality of any discipline. My flesh, when I'm running, doesn't want to run, which I don't run. Let's say when I'm walking on the treadmill. What? I want to quit after 100 yards. My flesh is tired. My legs hurt. I'm having to breathe hard. My flesh is saying, let's quit, let's quit, let's quit. And I go to work. I bend over. I don't want to do this. What I have to do, I have to make myself. Will, what will, what? Choice. Volition. And and there's the... uh, And that is reality. 
Your flesh will not. Carnal minds at odds with God's is not subject to God, neither indeed can be. So the carnal realities, the and fleshly it, realities, are not going to ever walk in line with God. Yeah. If we are, we are hidden in Christ, which, I mean, you can see, it look, it you know, it looks almost the same as what Joshua sets up at these as these cities of refuge, where the guilty have to be there. Um, we are in Christ. We're, I'm, but outside of Christ, we would be guilty. That was, yeah. Anybody who's outside of that's right. Outside of Christ, is, we would be. And, it, and the reason why, what does Jesus say in John three? He said that that condemnation is already resting. Well, it's already over the head. It's already on you. It's already been determined. No, the con- it's, not, it's not. It's not that you're condemnable. Yeah. That you are condemned. You're, it's already. No, it's already there. Yeah. This is, he said, condemnation. Right. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Yeah. Because it's not. The, oh, you'll be condemned. We we say, oh, you'll be condemned. Oh, go to hell one day. I say you're already condemned. Frankly, we were condemned. We were born under sin, conceived in sin. Yeah, yeah. It's the same argument when somebody says, "Well, don't judge me." Well, I'm sorry, you're already judged. It's, it's already been passed. It's already passed. Yeah. You know, well, you can't judge me. Well, no, I can. Because I'm doing it. Right? And, uh, you know, and in fact, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. He's talking about the manner in which we judge. Mm-hmm. Take the beam out of your own eye before you pull for the splinter in your own. Then you will see clearly to get the splinter out of your other, your brother's eye. It's so much of our attitude. It's so much of our mercy. It's so much of our deal. But the reality is, a right is a right, and a wrong is a wrong. Mm. You come in here and slap a child. You're 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 you know you're a child abuser. Mm. I'm not going to say, oh, I, don't know, I guess I should understand your situation better. You know. Yeah. Uh, in chapter twenty-four, Joshua uses the. Uh, the phrase fear the Lord in sincerity and truth and then you see Jesus using the expression spirit and truth well worshiping the Lord and the Father and Father seeks truth. such to worship him right is there any sort of connection there well I mean you know truth is I mean, obvious sincerity yeah sincerity you and know. spirit aren't obviously aren't the right. same thing but well I think it's g- genuinely you know I mean that's as good a thing as he ever told him you know, as for me in my house. But, you know, the thing is, is genuinely inside out and, and do it in a, to do it in an honest way, to do it in a scriptural way. Because you have to follow the Lord in scriptural ways because while God gives us choices, he doesn't give us, uh, uh, he doesn't give us the consequences to those choices. He sets the consequences to the choices. Um, and so we have to follow the Lord scripturally. You mean he doesn't let us choose the we consequences? We don't get to choose the consequences. Yeah. We choose, we choose what, what he puts before us. We have choices to make. But the consequences, when you got saved, you're going to heaven. You don't get to decide something else. Right. Right. And so, so it has to be done scripturally. Um, you know, look at the problem King Saul got into when he decided he was going to step into the role of a priest. When somewhere God put him, um, and it has to be done honestly, so truthfully, um, and then of course, is he tying that in sincerity that way? I mean, Christ is obviously talking about when he says in spirit and in truth, he's talking about something from within our, 
ultimately from within our justified position, something that is, I mean, we're spiritual beings having a physical reality. Mm -hmm. It's really the essence of who you are. I don't necessarily think it's connected, but it just, it's, it kind of stuck out at me, you know. Uh, well, the, the, the statements are, are, are the same in the sense of that's how we need to be, you know, serve the Lord genuinely, honestly, same thing's true today in worship, mm -hmm. worshiping the Lord genuinely, honestly, scripturally, we don't get to decide, you know, you know. You know, I, I had a woman tell me one time, she, she's talking about speaking in tongues. And she says, well, you can't tell me I can't speak in tongues in the church. And I said, no, the Holy Spirit can. Because in the same passage, he's talking about tongues. He said for the women to be silent mm -hmm. in the church. Well, she didn't like that because it was outside of her expression. Well, do you want to honestly, you want to worship the Lord honestly and truthfully? You're going to let, you going to be screwed. You're going to let him be the leader? Are you going to take that position as a lady so that you, because you're, you're showing the position of the church following Christ and making yourself subject? So it, it all, you know, you know, it's like, I, yeah, well, I got to worship with a hat on my head. Well, well, Jesus said, the word of God says don't. The word of God says don't cover your head when you worship because you're, you're, you're made in the image and likeness of God. And, and you, what position you're taking, you are the head. Why would you be covering it? And so we say, well, that doesn't really matter nowadays. But all those little things line us up to where we're being, we're willing to follow the Lord honestly and let him be God and not God's got to fit everything into my way of doing things, even if it's in the small things. you got to remember what Jesus said. Whoever breaks the least of my commandments and teaches men to do also will be considered least in the kingdom. The little things matter. It's worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Worship the Lord honestly. Worship the Lord genuinely. And worship the Lord the way he says to do it. Yeah. And if he says don't burn that incense, then don't burn that incense. If he says don't make any other incense like this, then don't make it. If he says don't make it, don't sell it, don't use it. It's for this, it's for this, it's for me. Right? I know, you know, well you got, who was it? Aaron's boys run along there. Bringing this strange fire. Look spiritual. Look, they, they've not even had good hearts about it. God killed them. Yeah. He's trying to teach us that it's got to be, we got to follow him. we got to follow. Let him establish truth. And let's walk in it. Well, you got anything else about Joshua? Not a thing, brother. Not a thing. He is one of my favorite Bible characters, though. Yeah. I mean, he just really is. There you have it, folks. Another episode of Where's Jesus with Pastor Todd Peavy. I pray it blesses you in Jesus' name. Again, if you have any questions or comments, you can find us on Facebook at Reflecting Christ Podcast.